0: Well, as I said, we are in the second week of our Advent series called Before Bethlehem. And we've been asking the question, what is Jesus doing before Bethlehem? And it's important because, well, the more we find out about Jesus before Bethlehem, the more we understand that about his mission, the more we understand how we participate in his mission. The more we understand about who he is, the more we understand about who we are in Christ and our calling to follow him. And so today we're going to continue that. We're going to look at another story. You know, last week we, we looked at, at Jesus as the Word, the transcendent Word of God that created and spoke into existence the whole universe. Think about that. Above anything physical that we could ever imagine, how could that happen? And yet it's true. He is the Word, Jesus, who spoke the universe into existence. But not only that, that transcendent God came and spoke individually and personally to Adam and Eve. And He wants to speak to us. The Word wants to speak to each of us today. So let's pray as we begin. Father, we do thank you for the gift of the Word. As we learned last week, that speaks to each of us. And we pray that you would speak through these stories in, in the Old Testament of what Jesus was doing before Bethlehem. As we study these stories in the Old Testament, teach us something new about you today and something new about ourselves that we might fully understand our mission and calling. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, this time of year, and appropriately so, we tend to think of Jesus in this way, right? The eight-pound, six-ounce, cuddly little baby in a manger. And, you know, you don't really think about babies speaking much, right? I mean, they don't really say anything. And, you know, I was with my grandson, Sam. He's 13 months old this week. I was with him for about three or four hours, just, just the two of us. And I was listening to the sounds that he's making, you know, and he's going, he's going, mama and dada and just all those, those baby sounds. And I kept looking at him and I, I'd, I'd look at him. And he'd say, he'd say, dada. And, and I'd look at him and go, papa. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to win, you know, I want, I want him to call my name first, right? Anyway, we don't think of babies talking. And it's kind of hard as we think at Christmas time about Jesus speaking, but he does speak, of course, because he was before Bethlehem. And he's going to speak to us today, but not as a baby, not with simple ideas and, and simple words, but with some very difficult and challenging things he has to say to us, because he's going to come to us today as a warrior on a horse, armed with a sword, ready to go to battle. I think a lot of people today would rather keep him in the manger, right? And yet, this is the reality of the spiritual life, that sometimes it can be a battle. When I was a kid, I was in VBS, and uh, in the Baptist church, and we always got to make swords, right? You know, we got to make them out of cardboard and make the shields and have mock sword fights. And we did that because at the end of VBS, the parents would all come and we'd go marching down through the auditorium and we'd sing a song. Anybody want to guess what it is? Onward, Christian Soldiers. We don't sing that song anymore. You noticed? Yeah, in fact, you want to X out all the the offensive words, you know? And it's like, onward, Christian soldier. You know, I'm thinking in VBS songs today, not rock and roll, okay? And you just, you just think about the words and the reality of what they represent. It is, it is a battle. Our spiritual life is a battle. See, uh, for this series, we have symbols for each week. And so they gave me this nice sword for this week. And I thought, you know, that's, that's nice, Kind of a nice sword. But uh, here, Chris, catch. Nothing to worry about. It's a foam sword. It won't hurt anybody. It's not a real sword. And I said, no, that'll never do for green trails. We have to have a real sword. All right, I won't throw this at you, Chris. (laughs) Promise. Yeah, because it's a real battle we're talking about. And if you've been a Christian long, you already know that it's a real battle. It's a real battle in the world and it's a real battle in our heart. This is a real sword. And Jesus comes because it's a real battle. Now, the world doesn't like the thought of Jesus as a warrior because it makes this statement about something being wrong, that there's an enemy. You see, here's the thing there is an enemy. Have you noticed? In any kind of conflict we have, we have two adversaries and a something that's being fought over. And do you know what's being fought over in the world today? You. Me. The territory that's at stake is our heart, and Satan wants it. But our Creator wants to reclaim it as well. So the battle is real. Real. And, and, and so we're going to see what we can learn about this battle. Because here's the thing. Jesus has been at work throughout history destroying evil and restoring his creation to its original form. And sooner or later, one day, he will absolutely complete that battle. He'll win that battle. This is the second week of Advent. It's the week that we traditionally start. Ta- we talk about peace. Kind of interesting that we chose warfare on the weekend that we're supposed to talk about peace. But did you know that the, the word for peace, the Hebrew word shalom, it actually means not just lack of conflict. It means that things are put back together again in the right way. And it, it, it allows you to live in a state of peace because it's, everything is working the way it's supposed to. You see, that's what Jesus has been doing. He's he's been destroying evil and restoring creation so that one day, one day, we will experience true peace. We're going to look at a story from, from the Old Testament, from the book of Joshua. Let me set it up a little bit. Joshua is now leading the Israelites. They've wandered in the desert for 40 years. Moses has died. Joshua is now the commander, the king of the army of Israel. They cross the Jordan River, you know, miraculously, the waters part, they walk through. And they get to their first camp at Gilgal. But you know what they encounter after that? The very first thing as they go into the land, it's a battle. It's war. And and they they encounter this place called Jericho. It's a fortress. And, And they are to take that fortress, you can see it on the map here. They crossed the Jordan just north of the Dead Sea. They were at Gilgal. They had to go to Jericho. And this is where we pick up the story. The commander doing reconnaissance, going out to Jericho in this very real battle. Now, you think about Now, why did, why did this have to happen? I mean, we don't like stories in the Old Testament like this, do we? Stories of battles? I mean, it's just a little uncomfortable, isn't it, that, 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 that the Israelites would have to go into this land and take it by force? Well, remember this. Remember this, that this was land promised to the Israelites, first of all. It was promised through Father Abraham, who had many sons. There I go again. I'm thinking of VBS songs. <laughs> many sons had father... Anyway... He was promised descendants, many of them. And yet in that same covenant promises in Genesis chapter 15, he was told that they would be taken off into exile for over 400 years. And of course they were. They were taken to Egypt. But then they would return back to the promised land. So remember, God promised it. And he used this land in a very special purpose to save all of uh, humankind, to save all of us sinners who repent. This was the land where Jesus was born. This was the land where Jesus first fought Satan. This was the land where Jesus fought Satan in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. This is the land where Jesus won the victory for us over sin and death on the cross. And this is the land where the final battle will take place, where Armageddon will take place, where, where good and evil will, good will triumph, Jesus will triumph. And the world will be put back together again, and we will experience shalom, peace. So that's what's going on here. That's why this battle is so important. Let's see what we can learn from it. We begin in Joshua chapter 5. And Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand, a real sword, because this is a real battle. Now Joshua went out away from Gilgal, from the camp where the Israelites were, to be by Jericho. It was a good little distance. You could see it on the map. Why did he do that? Well, he did that because he had a couple of objectives before the battle things that he believed he had to do. Now, one of the things that we know that Joshua did all the time, and I'm sure he did now, let's read about it from Joshua chapter 1. He goes out to meditate on God's word. He'd received these instructions. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. These are the instructions God gave Joshua. And so he's out at Jericho and he's thinking, okay, God, I'm meditating on your word because I am facing an incredible enemy in the armies and the fortress of Jericho. And he's there. And he's looking, and he's seeing, and he's meditating. He's thinking, okay, God, okay, God, what now? He needed a success. He was by Jericho. He was looking at this double-walled city, 12 foot high, the first wall, 24 foot tall for the second wall. He was measuring the size of the guys, the soldiers, the swords, the armament the weapons. So what do you think Joshua felt at that moment, looking at that kind of stronghold? I'm guessing he he felt a little bit overwhelmed. I'm sure he said, that's an impenetrable fortress, an impossible task. Is there any hope? Is there any possibility that we we could take this? Is there any way, any technology that we have And the more he would have focused on it, here's what happens, and we know this from our own life, the more we focus on the fortress, the the stronghold, the, the battle, the adversary in front of us, no matter what it is, the more we focus on that, the bigger and stronger it looks, and the less likely we are to go forward into the battle. You know the kind of fights that we have. You know kind of the kind of battles. You know where Satan is attacking you. He might be attacking you in your marriage. He might be attacking you in your family relationships with your kids. He might be attacking your health. He might be attacking your finances or your work. But you know how it is to live for Christ. And we oftentimes keep our eyes on what that battle looks like on our adversary, and they get bigger And we do less and we begin to cower down and run away from the adversary that's in front of us. So what does Joshua do at this point? Let's look. He says he was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes. This is such an important idea because he didn't just keep focusing on the enemy. He not only had to meditate on God's word and measure the enemies, the size of the enemy, but he looked up. See, he he lifted his eyes. This is a a theme throughout scripture. This psalmist says it this way. I lift up my eyes to the hill from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, if the creator, the transcendent creator of the universe is your helper who made heaven and earth, he will not be intimidated by walls or weapons of men or Satan. Just an amazing promise. That's what we should do. And we need to remember that when we face an adversary of any kind, we've got to look up from where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. The psalmist answers his own question so that we don't have to answer it. It's there. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, who has all the power necessary to help you with whatever is in front of you. But you have to look up. So when you face your adversary, first principle, make sure and look upward, because your help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth, who is transcendent and all-powerful and is there for you right now. So Joshua then looks up and is surprised with what he sees. You know, I love this word, behold. When you see it in Scripture, it's a a point where your jaw should drop, okay? Whenever you see the word behold, you should go, whoa, because something really cool is about to happen. And that's the case for here, too. We we read that a man was standing before him, and he had a drawn sword in his hand. Now, would you run towards or away from the sword? That's what I want to know. Here, let me just hold it up so you guys can get the... You want to run toward this or away from it? Yeah, I mean, most of us, I mean, I would run away from it. But what does Joshua do? What does he do? He doesn't run away from it. He doesn't, he doesn't cower. He doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, you know, it's too hard to get up and go to church in the morning. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, I don't want to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. He walks toward the sword. He's unafraid. He doesn't know it's Jesus yet. He doesn't know. He thinks it's a soldier with a sword drawn. He assumes probably it's war. And, and look, he, here's what he does. He goes to him and he says, "Look, are you for, are you for us, or are you for our adversaries?" Easy question. Two options. Are you friend or foe? Right. And how does the soldier answer? He simply says, "Nope." Wait a minute. That wasn't one of the options. What was, what was Joshua to think now at this point? Well, certainly what is going on here is now that now Joshua is beginning to sense this is not an enemy soldier. Something else is happening here. Because what, what, what this figure is, Jesus, the commander of the Lord's army, is what he says, the commander of angel armies, that can come at his beck and call, has come. Now I have come. He is here. And so Joshua has to be thinking, I should probably put away my sword because something amazing just happened. And here's the thing, and this is so important. You see, when when Jesus says to him, no, what he means by that is this. He says, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not here to take your orders, Joshua. I'm here to take over. This is such a content, bone of contention for us because we, we don't, we don't want to take orders. We don't want to see Jesus as our commander. We want him to come and fight the battles that we think are important. And this is where we make a big mistake in life. We choose the battles instead of going to Jesus and saying, okay, I'm your soldier. What would you have me to do? I will fall in behind you. I don't expect you to go where I tell you. I will go where you tell me. And all of a sudden, Joshua is beginning to get a reset. He's saying, wait a minute. I thought I was the commander of the Lord's army, but now I understand because, as the commander says, I have come. Now I have come. He's there. And I love it that we, we sing at time, Emmanuel which means what? God with us. And now Joshua is realizing, Jesus is with me. God, the Lord, is with me. He is the commander. He will call the shots. He will lead the way. Joshua was told in the beginning, you know, in in Joshua chapter one, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, four times in the first chapter. And he was given the, the strength, the reason for that strength. Meditate on the word, and you'll have success. You can be strong and courageous. And now he sees that the Lord is with him, and his courage even becomes greater. Have you ever felt the lack of courage in your Christian life? The lack of strength in your Christian life? Be strong and courageous. Because Jesus is saying, now I'm here. I'm here with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because you have the promises of the word. Meditate on them day and night. So how does he respond? How does, what, what happens next in this story? Joshua does a face plant right in front of his commander. You ever realized who Jesus was at a level in your mind, it just becomes real, it crystallizes and all of a sudden you, you get it, oh my gosh, the creator of the universe died for me so I could have eternal life. Because when, you, when that becomes real and you understand who he is and what he's done and what he's promised and where we're going and how this story ends, you just have to worship him. You have to face plant, go down on your knees and say, yes, Jesus. Thank you. That's what Joshua did. And, and he says, hey, what does my Lord say to his servant? What would, what would you have me to do, Lord? How, how can I serve you? I'm your servant. I'm not holding anything back. I'm all in. See, that's what, that's what Jesus wants from us. Here, here's the thing. When we face our commander, what do we do? We, don't, we fall downward. We worship. So important to understand when you face your commander, that you are, you are in a position of saying to him, what would you have me to do? Here's my life. Take it. Use it for your purposes. Well, it continues. And indeed, the commander accepts Joshua's worship. And Joshua He he says to Joshua, he says, take off your sandals from your feet because the place you're standing is holy. You know, know, just remember that was said to Moses when he was in the presence of God, right? So now we're getting some clues as to why we know this is Jesus because the commander says, you're standing on holy ground. Take your shoes off. And of course, Joshua did so. He's immediately obedient. And there was a moment there of worship, and that's another clue as to why we know this is Jesus, because if it was an angel, that angel would have said, no, no, you can't worship me. Created things are not to worship created things. We don't worship angels. Read it in Revelation 22. doesn't happen. But the commander says, okay, yeah, worship me. You're on holy ground. And Joshua had a moment of worship. As this battle began, this, this challenge of Jericho, this, this fortress and stronghold that he had to take an army to, to defeat, as it began, he worshiped. He began in worship. You guys know the rest of the story, right? I mean, they, the Israelites did end up taking the city, and they did it by marching around for six days just with trumpets blowing announcing the presence of the Lord. Six days, around they go. Seventh day, around they go, and guess what they do? They shout out praises to God. And what happens? The walls come down. And I want you to know that walls come down when you praise God, when you worship him, that walls come down in our lives. That our battles, and the thing that we can learn from this story, are, that is that battles should begin, our battles should begin, and they end in worship. Because there's great power in worship as we proclaim his holy name and say, Commander, here I am. Now I know uh, one of the things that's important that we just mentioned as we wrap this idea of warfare up because it's such an unpopular um, uh, thing it's it's just very the idea of war in Christianity because of the Crusades. That's all we know about the Crusades. Misguided Christians doing things they shouldn't have done. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, if the Crusaders would have read their Bible, they would have never gone on the Crusade. It's so important we realize that. Here's what happens. See, after Christ, after he died on the cross and took all of God's wrath. The nature of warfare changes. I just want to show you a couple passages so you understand how we are to fight today and what we are to fight with. Number one, we look at Ephesians. We know this passage. It says simply, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not the people around us that we're fighting. It's Satan. It's, it's rulers and authorities and cosmic powers. This darkness that's in our world It's against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's our battle. But it manifests itself in people. But remember what's behind it every time. We don't attack people. We attack the forces behind it. And we do that by worshiping and proclaiming who Jesus is and that he has power and authority over all of those forces. And we don't don't fight with real swords, thankfully. Here, Chris. (laughs) We don't fight with real swords like that, not, not steel. No, we, we fight with swords that are the spirit, the word of God. They're not, they're not weapons of f- flesh and blood, but they have divine power because it's the, it's the word which is the spirit of God. And we, we have the advantage of knowing because we know the, the prophecies of Scripture that one day... Satan will be crushed, and he'll be under our feet. Think about that. Because the God of peace, of shalom, who will put it all back together the way it's supposed to be, will do that work, and he will finally and forever destroy the forces of evil, and those of us who follow Christ will experience shalom, peace with God for eternity, as it has always supposed to have been. So while we're waiting, we fight a warfare with worship, the word, through the spirit. We do our best to make, make things better, to, to, to relieve pain and suffering caused by the injustices of evil. We know someday how this ends. We know, because Jesus has told us, Someday he will crush Satan. And I just pray right now that if there's any kind of warfare in your heart, I mean, if, if there's any kind of territorial dispute about who owns your heart, that you remember that Jesus is the commander, that he's there to fight for you, to, to rescue you, to bring you into it, back into his family, to support you and encourage you if you're struggling in any way. Know that the commander is there for you and that you can look upward to him for help, worship by falling down before him, and that you know that worship has great power in whatever battle you're facing. I pray that you would know that today and experience that throughout this Christmas season. This amazing gift of the commander, Jesus. Let's pray.